Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Vegas Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here. We're back. Well, we never left. We're always here. We're here to help you in your moments of need, the times of question, those those uncertain, geeky things that are picking away at the back of your mind. No, not not really. <laughs> it just sounded really good, didn't it? Uh, ready to delight you and entertain you for the next bit. Letting you know what's going on in the world of geek and uh, other inspirational stories, as they are. Uh, we are sponsored by Suzy Q's, and she is on her quest to fill tables for the Outworld Bazaar. It is gearing up. It is ready to go. Just need some vendors. Click on the link below, and you'll be able to check out the availability. I know it's going quick, so be sure to get in there. It is going to be a spectacular event. We're excited to be over at Outworld, and we, we just love them. We also have our beer launch party for uh, Colorado Festival 4 coming up there as well, and that is getting even more. Elixir Immortus is the name, and we will be unveiling the beer next week or in two weeks. Yeah, like the 21st. I mean, we're this, this month's going by quick. And then, of course, Colorado Festival of Horror next month, where all of us will be. God, we got a lot going on, so uh, check out our page. Give us a like, give us a share, follow us for sure at the very least. Also check out our YouTube channel. Uh, Thursday we will have our interview with local author Joe Vallon, who has his new book out. Uh, we talk about it. It is absolutely... Um, I've already started it, and it is—it's an—it's intense. It's not as interest. Well, I can't say it's not as interesting as his first book, but it is uh, just as compelling as the first book, if not a little bit more. The title of the book is International Best Selling Author Joe Valen, uh, which is kind of which is kind of fun. Um, so be sure to tune in Thursday as we unveil that interview. Um, so this is my take on things that have caught my eye during the week, stories that are going on, stuff that is just pulsating with the rest of the nerddom and um, such. There you go. The one thing, of course, everyone is talking about, and I'm going to talk briefly about it of course is suicide squad it hit this last weekend i am not going to give you a whole take rundown that i would normally give you for this particular film uh, actually we will have a meat and potatoes review of it on thursday so you'll be able to get our spoiler free view and it's probably best if somebody else reviews this besides me because i'm just i don't know if i'm bitter there there's some fun moments in it I wasn't as impressed. It's Marvel meets DC as James Gunn flexes his his incredible filmmaking talents. There are some interesting cameos from the Marvel side. There are a couple Guardians of the Galaxy in there. There's a Slither moment. There's there's lots of callbacks that I would expect in a James Gunn film, to be honest with you. 
And I'm not saying it's disappointing, but there are some moments that I'm kind of like, eh, it didn't need to be as intense or as grody as it was. Um, And it was just, you know, gore for the sake of gore. It really didn't help or in, you know, inspire or move the story along, but it's fine. I'm not 100% sold on it. There are some great moments, though. Um, Pete Davidson getting his face half blown off. I was kind of, I like that. (laughs) And there are some other things. And I know everyone has talked about it. And we made fun of this ages ago. But the Polka Dot Man actually turns out to be rather rather a compelling character that all of us um, that were watching Suicide Squad with me agreed that he stole the show and was absolute just we wish we had more of the polka dot man and i know as odd as that sounds that's like asking to have more of condiment man or paste pot pete you just don't hear that every day and as much and i think it has to do with the actor portraying the polka dot man because he was he's he was he was spot on he's exactly what i would have expected as a character for the polka dot man and i don't know how much of that is him i know james gunn had a very heavy influence on the direction of how this character was formed and considering he's he's just he's not even a b-leaguer i mean this guy is just i don't want to say stupid but uh there are better there are better villains out there I mean, the weasel was fine. Uh, all I kept hearing was Polly Shore in the back of my head anytime I looked at him, and that just kind of killed it for me on that character. And Edris Elba basically shows Will Smith how Deadshot should have been played in the first Suicide Squad. So those are the high points. Now, I'm a little... And there's different rumors floating around that, you know... Uh, Robbie is is done playing Harley Quinn, and she's moving on. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really been able to confirm nor deny that rumor. And I wouldn't imagine she would stay with the role for long, uh, just given her popularity and her acting ability. She's a very skilled actress. And I couldn't imagine, except for the fact that it's probably just a fun character to play and just kind of unleash you know, your, your inhibitions. I don't see this character going on much longer. And she was just kind of eh in this one. It wasn't full-blown Harley. And I don't think you need Joker to give us a full-blown Harley. I just think that maybe sometimes they complement each other a little bit better. And to have someone help complement Harley, I think, is is cool and better than Harley on her own. Just, just saying. There, there are certain things. Robbie Margo does, uh, or Margot Robbie does an amazing job of portraying Harley. I have no qualms with what we we saw, and, and I I got everything I expected. I, I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't like inspired. So, like, okay, there you go. And then John Cena. Oh my God! The less I say about John Cena, probably the better for all the John Cena fans out there. Because, <laughs> um, you know. But to be fair, this is probably this is probably the first role that really suits him and his personality and his character very well. I I, th- I think Peacemaker fits him, and it it is it's basically Drax in the DC universe uh, as far as how how this character is is portrayed by Cena. And I, I, okay, 
I'm like I said, I wasn't ups- uh, eh. I really, I think what it comes down to is I just don't care. I, I really, I really don't. Maybe if this had been the original Suicide Squad that we had seen, I would have a better um, view of it. Maybe if this was going to lead to something bigger, I would be be fine with it. But in retrospect, there's just it's it's the end. <clears throat> it's it's it is what it is, and and that's kind of it. What DC decides to do from this point is anyone's guess, and I can't say that uh it's it's going to be better i can't say it's going to be worse but for right now we have this it's entertaining don't take your kids to it that would be an awful idea um moving on yesterday not yesterday friday feels like yesterday friday i posted up if you missed it on the 5280 page the why the last man trailer finally came in and good golly holy balls that was awesome <laughs> if you haven't watched it i will put it in the link on the web page the uh, overall just uh, holy crap they captured this comic book and it's just kind of funny that i was just talking about the comparison between sweet tooth and why the last man just to have that trailer land was was perfect and the comparisons and everything the future is just so bleak and dark with Why the Last Man, and to just capture that, even just within the trailer, was so well orchestrated and so well done. I have to say, I I loved it, and I'm and know it's going to be on FX Hulu exclusive. I think I don't think it's going. I think it's only on the streaming platform. So that is is good. I guess I don't know. I've got it. So that's all I really care about because I don't want to miss this series. This is one of my favorite stories from Brian K. Vaughn and the Vertigo line. It, it was something that I always looked forward to. So I, I'm, I'm very curious to see how this translates into a television show. And I think it'll actually translate very well, especially as we see um, the progression of just everything coming to the end and moving forward and how they come to a conclusion. And I don't want to give anything away. I've read this series multiple times um, because I would do like I did with Fables or Walking Dead. Uh, Not only did I collect the issues, but at the end when the trade paperback would come out, I would pick that up and reread that just to stay current with the story and not have to, I know, read my comics. (laughs) Read them once, in the box they go, never to see sunlight again. But that's what the trade is for. So this is the the practice that I had gotten into. And speaking of Fables, Fables is coming back, uh, which... Blew my mind. Brett Leader One actually pointed this out to me last week that there is a solicitation for Fables 151. So we're getting a 12 issue miniseries, uh, if I remember correctly, bringing back all of the Fables characters, which I'm very curious to see how they. What they, what, 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 just exactly what, what, um, just because of how it ended and, and how it was orchestrated, they did kind of tie up loose ends. So I'm curious what they, what they do. Um, check your local comic book shop because that is for sure one that you, if you were a Fables fan or, uh, Once Upon a Time, if you ever watched that show, which was pretty much will just ripped right out of the comic, uh, definitely let your shop know that you want to get signed up for it. But back to why the last man. I um, it's it's next month. It's going to be spectacular. 
and I'm so in for this. I'm really, I, and I know I don't. I probably have enough apocalyptic shows already in my viewing library, but why? Why not add one more? And uh, just to see what they do, it's so good. Makes me want to. If I fact, if I have a choice, I think for the next con, I will cosplay um, Why the Last Man and just walk around with a gas mask and and a tunic. That's that's my next cosplay. <laughs> Uh, what else is going on? Oh, so tonight, um, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, that is, uh, the big premiere, which I've been waiting for, is Stargirl. So speaking of premieres in D.C., getting something right, uh, Stargirl is coming back for season two, and I couldn't be happier. So in the beginning, and I know a lot of people probably may have like skimmed over this because this was during the virus and all of that, but I, I honestly thought Stargirl was going to suck. I really did, because I didn't, I wasn't in the mindset of another, you know, CW rage against the hormones conversations in hallways and stairwells uh, to promote some weirdness in the CW kind of way that they like to do it. I just wasn't in the, in the mood for another CW fest, all right? However, then we get Stargirl, and I couldn't be more wrong. A show that I thought was going to spotlight more on the kids and what was going on ended up spotlighting a whole lot more on the villains and what, was, what they were up to. And the heroes playing second fiddle the entire time, which was perfect. I thought that the way they orchestrated and, and put Stargirl together was probably the most creative and interesting approaches to this show and this series that it could have been. Uh, how it ended was shocking and even kind of um, very cathartic. I really did like how it ended. And you see a lot of them go through the this, this hero's kind of, it's not even like the full hero's journey, but more of a discovery of discovering who they are, discovering their powers as they confront the villains. And some of the villains, of course, way out of their league with without a doubt and it's kind of more of like you they got lucky and that's what i probably liked even more at the end is they 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 really did get lucky and it did have kind of like a comic book element in that way where where the heroes are severely outgunned but yet somehow eke by so now we're into season two and i honestly don't know what to expect expect we have shade which um in the comic, Shade can kind of go one way or the other. He's a very neutral. He's chaotic neutral. If you could, if if you get the if you get the D and D reference, thank you. Um, but he's really chaotic neutral, and I don't know which way he is going to go. But we're seeing the introduction of Eclipso into this CW universe, which I thought we had kind of seen in uh, Legends of Tomorrow. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out if it's still another alternate earth if it's our earth i don't i don't know these are questions that we never really got a solid answer to and i was fine with it i liked the mystery i liked the the build-up without a doubt so now we get shade we get eclipso and best of all we get jade who is the daughter of alan scott he uh, leaves the Green Lantern ring to her, and um, we get kind of a, a brief glimpse of her wielding a ring 
and his ring, I guess, and she's coming for the lantern, which, uh, I, I, you know, I, I know in the comics she is she does become a Green Lantern core member, and that's fine. She ends up dating Kyle, and that's fine. And but I'm just excited to finally get a Green Lantern in one of the shows. It's been one of like the shortcomings of the CW. They've always kind of tiptoed around it, and I I'm sure they don't want to spend the budget on the effects that it would take to generate Green Lantern, especially where in, they're, they're spending the budget, obviously, in other other areas, and it's fine. Uh, but to, to finally have a show with a bit more wiggle room and you've got a fledgling Green Lantern, I'm, I'm very curious to see how this plays out. Now, how many episodes we get, I don't know. I haven't peaked because I don't want to know. I'm hoping we get more than 12, uh, but I'm not expecting more than 12. The actors are all coming back, which is great because Luke Wilson was, was perfect. Amy Smart, spot on. So to have them come back is... Uh, you know, in, inspiring because obviously, when an actor returns to a gig like this, um, they see the value, or they're enjoying it, or they're having fun, and that in itself is just like, all right, this is this is something cool, this is something special, and I end up liking Star Girl way more than I I thought I was going to. So uh, I applaud you for your creative ingenuity, and let's hope that you continue with this. Um, unique perspective of storytelling, and please let let the villains let the villain villains shine. That's all I got to say. Hashtag let the villains shine. <laughs> also premiering this week, actually tomorrow, Wednesday. Now I do like DC's move to start premiering shows on. Wednesday, And I think this is a very smart move because you've got all these other shows. They don't want to compete with themselves because you've got other ongoing shows that are like premiering and they're new, like Bad Batches on Fridays. And you've got the, the new this week. That's always coming on Fridays. In addition to Netflix, Amazon, uh, HBO Max, all landing stuff on Fridays. So to see Disney Plus do this, I'm kind of, I, you know what? Well done. And I know I'm, I don't have many compliments when it comes to the mouse. I'm very I'm a harsh critic with that, uh, and that's fine. <laughs> and I, I'm not even talking about the other problems that the mouse is currently having. But uh, when when they do get something right, it's kind of hard not to go. Okay, I see what you did there, and I applaud that. That's that's it's inventive, and it gives me something else to watch instead of having to wait all the way till frickin' Friday, and then figure out okay, what do I want to watch next? And fighting through the weekend to try and get everything in before Monday rolls around. Of course, I'm speaking of What If, the new Marvel series that will take the question to the next level. This used to be one of my favorite comic book series back in the day, and it is taking a Marvel topic, character, event. And asking the question, what if? One of the best what ifs was uh, what if Spider-Man hadn't rejected the alien costume? Uh, Another one was what if Wolverine had actually killed the Hulk? Um, What what if, um, I think there's one, what if Doctor Doom had uh, controlled the power cosmic? What if the Silver Surfer had actually snatched the Infinity Gauntlet off of Thanos? Um, there, there have been some very creative and interesting ones. What if Conan lived uh, in today's time? 
they've always asked some very compelling and interesting questions. So now to have this, my, my curiosity is piqued. Are we going to be limited just to the expanded universe of what we've seen in TV? Are we going to see some darker stuff? And I know we've seen previews of like the Marvel zombies, and that is that's gives me chills every time I think about it because that looks brilliant, looks absolutely great. And I think they're doing the right mode of storytelling, especially doing it in an animated style. There, there's no reason why this shouldn't be animated. And I think it gives them certain liberties, not only, of course, trying to get the actors and everybody to come back and do the, the, the job and performance. It, it, it can be a bit taxing. But with the animated side, you can ask a lot of questions. Get the, the normal voice actors that Marvel has relied and depended upon over the last few years to run yeah, that's been running their animated side to come and voice these characters and it only makes sense and i really am i mean the one that opens tomorrow the one that they're premiering is um if peggy peggy carter had become the super soldier making her basically captain britain and i i i the one thing i always like the most about the what if stories is how we got to the what if how does the story diverge what is the the linchpin to the story that takes them to that that moment, that key fixed-in-time moment. Yeah, for you Doctor Who fans. So it, what what is it? How does it happen? How does it come about? And just I, I, I'm, I'm baffled and, and, and excited and, and curious all at once, and it's just like Christmas all over again. And I want I'm, I'm I look forward to this series because it's nothing – there's nothing that we can anticipate. There, there's no real ramifications from it. It's simply for the fact of entertainment. And I, I like that. I really do. And it's just hopefully. Here's the, here's the rub, though. Hopefully it is just good storytelling. And it, it, does, it does give you a different perspective. I, I'm excited to see Black Panther as Star-Lord. Uh, the Marvel Zombies, of course, as I mentioned. Will it dip its toe into the comic book world a little bit more rather than the expanded universe? Who's to say? Of course, they've kept it very close to the chest. Just the brief commercials, the images, the onslaught of images of different things. They may not even be in the same episode, of course, but it's just this collage of different events and things that are coming. Something to look forward to. Hey, by the way... Did you see this? I just, I'm, I'm totally on board for it. I like it, and I think this is probably Marvel's better idea, especially now having seen Black Widow, which we won't get into. I won't bore you with that, or even go over the, the new drama, because it's millionaires fighting with billionaires, and it just uh, enough. Um Doctor Strange on the horizon. Of course, Spider-Man, everyone's questioning and wanting a trailer. So there's so many other things, and I think this is the perfect distraction to kind of just clear clear the palette as we set into uh, Shang-Chi, which will be next month, and the, the Legend of the Ten Rings. I, I, I'm looking forward to a fresh start for Marvel, and I think this is it. We, we are done with the Infinity 
stuff for now. We, we are going into the next phase and whatever that may be. And I think What If is a perfect palate cleanser for just that. Uh, be sure to tune in tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, and uh, be sure to let me know. I'm kind of curious because I want everyone's input on this. I'm sure I don't have to solicit people's ideas or thoughts on it because I get emails and messages all the time on it. So I'm, I'm fine with just a few more. Just a few. <laughs> Just saying. Um, what else? Uh, so that's for tomorrow. Tonight, of course, Stargirl. Lots of stuff to watch. Um, some of the stories that caught my eye, of course. This one I'm absolutely baffled by. And if you had told me that this would still be around today, I, I would have just I would have laughed at you. I would have laughed in your face. Uh, but South Park creators have signed a nine hundred million deal for five more season, five more seasons. Excuse me, seasons, uh, and fourteen spinoff movies. This is absolutely just bonkers. I have to say. Um, creators Trey Parker and Matt Stone announced a brand new deal. Ex- Extension, deal extension, no less, with MTV Entertainment Studios and Viacom CBS. That will bring the long-running series to a total of 30 years of programming and will result in one of the richest contracts in television history. Uh, it's, even the, it's just absurd about how long this show has stayed on the air and and tries to maintain the um the same level that they are and i don't see them slowing down there are some certain similarities that of course you you've got three heavyweights right now in in the cartoon world of course the simpsons uh it's hard not to acknowledge family guy and what seth mcfarlane has accomplished but for south park to just keep going is uh, uh, mind blowing. Um, the what else? The, the, the article goes on, continuing, and the press release continues to say um, there uh, no less than fourteen direct to tr- streaming South Park spinoff movies that uh, will release on the streaming service Paramount Plus. Uh, given that the terms of the agreement will pay Parker and Stone over $900 million, uh, that is just, uh, wow. Um, <laughs> uh, they were quoted on saying, Comedy Central has been our home for 25 years, and we're really happy that they've made a commitment to us for the next 75 years. Uh, we came to Viacom with a different way to produce the show during the pandemic, and uh, basically they're excited that NTV and everyone decided to back their play and give them a chance to tell South Park in a different way. So they're going to take what they've learned and the new quote-unquote chances that they were given to continue pushing South Park forward. Now, I, I'm absolutely, totally, I wouldn't say in, in on this, the pandemic special was creative. It was funny. And I do enjoy South Park from time to time. Are they as funny as they used to be? No. <laughs> but are they funnier than Family Guy, which is just a 
bunch of series of callbacks, hashtags, and, you know, ripoffs, which can get a little bit tiresome. And Simpsons, which hasn't been funny in decades. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like South Park's message. I like, you know, four kids sitting around, they're kids, and they're just going to be foul-mouthed little bastards. And that was funny for a while, and then it uh, evolved into what we, well, it evolved into something else, and then into what we have now. So they have definitely taken this grandiose tour with South Park, and now that we've got Paramount Plus throwing some money at them. I think um, Disney Plus has actually even thought about trying to get them on there, but I don't think now that Paramount's got this deal uh, with them, they're going anywhere. And Viacom CBS just basically is is hitching their star to these guys, and they're not letting them out. They're going to ride them right into the ground, just like Disney would. So there's some similarities for you. <laughs> and Paramount Plus needs something other than Star Trek. <laughs> to continue, and I think they saw a little bit more success on the lower decks, which is getting a second season, which should be hitting soon. Uh, but I'm not going to talk about that. Um, focused on South Park, so I, I really see what Paramount Plus is trying to do, what they're trying to bring to the table, just to try and keep up with what's going on on the Amazon side, Netflix, and Disney Plus, and now HBO. HBO Max is uh, is a force, but. When I think about everything that South Park has produced and everything that they have come out with and their perspective on a lot of sensitive subject matter, it's been enlightening. It's been educational and it's been head scratching because some of the things that they have touched on have been true, have been very compelling. And I, I do chuckle at the irony, especially some of the things that they predicted have come true. And them having to rewrite an entire season because they thought um, the impossible wouldn't happen because it did really shows the flexibility and the creative energy that these two have. The video games, I, I, I would love another South Park video game. To be honest with you, the um, uh, fractured but whole. <laughs> yeah, I know. I still laugh when I say it. <laughs> Uh, video game was fun. I really did. I enjoyed it, and it was very much in the vein of Stick of Truth, and I really wouldn't mind seeing another turn-based game like that come back. I, I would love to see them develop more of the South Park video game universe and having stuff cross over. I don't know what, how they would do it now. Maybe they could do the Pandemic special. They always find a unique way to rub the, the conversation one way versus the other, hence <laughs> Fractured Butthole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'll get it out of my system in a moment. <laughs> but that said, is it too much? Is there too much South Park? I don't I don't know. I would say there's too much Family Guy. There has been. And Simpsons just continues to, you know, go on without missing a beat. When do you pull the plug? When do you say enough is enough? It's an excellent question. I don't have an answer for that. I think as long as there are fans and they're able to squeeze as much of that dollar out of you as possible they're going to do it we'll i'm sure see much more swag much more uh product uh, i'm sure cartman boxer shorts will be back in season before much longer and i'm sure they're going to start focusing in i because i i still don't have my towelie towel i really i really need a towelie towel if you have one um send it my way there you go that's my gift send me a towelie towel 
great. Now I'm going to get like a bunch of them. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Can you have too many tally towels? I don't know. Um, this is, in, 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 it's inspiring, it's impressive, and it does show that if you've got an idea and you can work it and you can market it and you just stick to your guns, you can, you can pull off the unimaginable. The other side of this story, and I'm curious now what we're going to see, because with this deal now signed, the ink is dry, this is going forward, what happens with Casa Bonita? If you're not here in Colorado, you'd be unaware that the two have tried to purchase the the closing restaurant, the failing business after Rona came and and basically gutted the restaurant industry. Casa Bonita was already, I wouldn't say it, making it or flushed with cash, but they were surviving. Now, of course, with the pandemic and at an all-time low for people coming into work and crowd control and all, you know, everything. The whole Rona. You're aware of it. The business isn't doing what it should or what it was. And it's kind of pricey to maintain a diving pool. <laughs> Go figure. So the creators of South Park had been rumored, and this was actually on the news, local news, and I think it's actually made national news, that they were looking to buy Casa Bonita. And, of course, because of South Park, back in the day when uh, I was, I had a different life, people would come to town and want to go to Casa Bonita just because they had seen it in South Park. And then the the picture that South Park had painted for it was much more glamorous than what it really was. <laughs> the sopapillas were great, but Casa Bonita got smart and wouldn't let you just order them. You had to order food, and then you could get uh, the, the sopapillas. Bastards. And the food's not great. It really isn't. I mean, it's it's fine. So to have these guys purchase this now raises the question, what is the future for Casa Bonita? Because let me tell you what I would do. And I'm sure that's why you're listening, because you want to know, tell us, Smurf, what would you do? If I was Matt and Trey, I would totally kind of turn Casa Bonita into a South Park wonderland and there's your money problems. You can still continue doing the Casa Bonita side of it, but you could just transform the inside of Casa Bonita into South Park. You really could. You can make it its own town, just like Jay and Silent Bob have the stash, their, their comic book store. This, this is the perfect vehicle for South Park to move forward into, into the next decade of, of just – cheese upon cheese upon cheese and in the meanwhile if you get tired of the cheese you can go have some soap and and watch the guy do some cliff diving <laughs> oh and in black bart's cave well look there's cartman let's get some animatronics we'll make it like Chuck E. cheese and we'll have animatronic south park characters there'll be a special butters area and we can see the life and times of butters <laughs> I can just see that this is just going to go from bad to worse if I can continue down this trail. So I'm going to stop it there before I completely get out of control. The fact of the matter is I think this is um, good good for the guys. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do next. Like I said, the pandemic special was very clever, very well thought out, and uh, continues to entertain. And we'll see if, uh, if Casa Bonita becomes South Parkland. 
Uh, what else? Moving along, uh, Star Wars: The Bad Batch gets a second season. The first part of the two-part finale aired last Friday, and we're going into the final episode this coming Friday. I think we've got Susie on next week, which is going to uh, be awesome. So Susie and I can kind of reminisce and give you our rundown on what we uh, liked, didn't like. All in all, Bad Batch has done a good job. I've liked what they've done. I know it was it was a it was a bit of a false start, um, but it ramped up. Last week's episode was definitely holy crap. No spoilers, I promise. But if you haven't watched Bad Batch from last week and you've 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 been putting off watching it or watching Bad Batch, at least the last five episodes have been very well orchestrated, very well put together. And holy crap, last week, ugh, heavy, heavy, but really good. So, um, we will get another season. So, uh, the story will continue. Filoni has definitely done what he promised. He's brought us stories, and I'm, I'm good. I'm good with it, actually. I, I'm really enjoying it much more now that they've gotten over the rough bits, and we'll see how it uh, closes out next week. This week. Pardon me. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it closes this week. Uh, what else have we got? Um, so, this story just kind of came in. Out of the blue, kind of. Um, the uh, I, I don't know how to break this to you, but Fan X has suddenly become one of the most powerful convention forces on the planet. Um, the news that broke th- earlier today, actually, Fan X HQ organizers of Fan Expo Canada, Megacon, Orlando. Expo Dallas uh, and uh, a bunch of other cons that are scattered throughout the country, Denver being one of them, um, has now decided that they are going to purchase or have purchased Wizard Worldland uh, and will relaunch under the Fan Expo brand in 2022. Um, The shows involved in the deal are um, Chicago, Philly, New Orleans, Portland, St. Louis, and Cleveland. Now, the big heavy hitter in this is Chicago um, because you've got C2E2, which that means they're going to go head-to-head in, I think Chicago is, or C2E2 is one of, I want to say it's in the top three um, cons in the country. It's a humongous draw. They have immense popularity. Uh, Read Pop does a great job. Read Pop has Chicago, Seattle, um, New York, and there's one in Florida. So now these two are going to end up basically just going head to head in who owns what for which con um so chicago will be interesting i know philadelphia is kind of in the wind right now uh so we'll see how that ends up coming out and um we'll we'll see what happens wizard world is um the chicago experience is still scheduled actually so um wizard world chicago which was dated October 15th through the 17th, will continue as planned. Um, They are going to honor basically everything that was set up through the original owners, so everything is fine if you had made your your purchase and your deal and everything for Wizard World. FanX is going to honor it and continue to 
to move forward with it after this year though however i'm moving forward for 2022 they are um they they, they're in the driver's seat now (laughs) so we'll see um well, um, I'm curious. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Um, even it was quoted on saying the acquisition will put Fan Expo head to head with Reed Pop, which operates C2E2. Yep, it is the third largest in the market. Uh, U.S. Reed Pop appears to have seated Philadelphia so far um, and has not scheduled any other dates for Keystone Comic Con, which I know they started that in 2018 because I was there for that one. Um, it was a decent show. Uh, it wasn't like mind blowing, but you know, again, it was it was a first year con, and I, Reed Pop and I, we've got a we got an understanding. We work well together, and I I love C two E two. It's one of my favorite cons, and you know, not only from the sentimental aspect of it, but even just like the experience, and going back to Chicago and. Just just how that con is put together, I really do like C2E2. And, of course, this year I'm going to Emerald City, which is their other con. And I had to make a decision. It was one or the other, and I can't do New York. And so Emerald City it is. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I don't know how to feel about this. Uh, I will let you know what happens here as Fan Expo took over Denver Pop Culture Con and the guests – I have to say, are um, just wow. I really, I really don't know how else to put that in into words, but just wow. Um, we we've got Star Wars, we've got Doctor Who, we've got Marvel, we've got all of these different guests that are coming, and how, the budget that these guys operate with is definitely a tier above what everyone else is and it, it is on par with what reed pop does they bring in some some impressive guests so it will be a fight it's going to be a knockdown drag out fight and maybe in this fight we will see the reemergence of the smaller con there's already been success in town here, um, the All Seas Fan Expo, which was free to attend, bringing in guests, and they are moving to a new location for next year in March. The uh, um, con that has gone on forever, Starfest, is looking to switch things up, and they always have strived to bring a better experience, and it's become much more of like a family affair when you're dealing with Starfest because it's the same people that come year after year and it's it's an entirely different con than I have experienced around the country. Sure I run into people that I know and you get the chance to catch up. But at least at Starfest it is kind of that family atmosphere of hey it's good to see you. They know your kids. Uh how is Timmy, you know, doing in school? You know the the normal conversations and just catching up and then enjoying the con and 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 sharing the love of the fandom. I don't know if there's a lot of sharing and love of fandom when you're standing in line for an autograph that's 50 bucks. Is it price gouging? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. There are things that I would pay $50 for, and there's things that I wouldn't. Again, it comes down to the value that one has towards performances, artists, what have you. But it does make you wonder. It makes you scratch your head. Where's the ceiling? When's the bubble going to pop? Because I think it's going to pop soon. And I, I think we, we've already seen it. Um, and the fallout is, is 
going to be much more drastic. We even have my own con that I am heavily involved in, which is the Colorado Festival of Horror. There's no horror con here in Colorado. There hasn't been for a number of years, and it only made sense. Horror has a amazing niche. It's great to see horror fans get together because they all are about the intensity, um, the the history, just the overall horror experience. So there are different niches, and I think we're going to see a lot of little breakouts that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And I'm excited to see that. I'm sure we will see a couple of bigger cons close its doors as locations just can no longer support or are no longer interested. We'll see. I'm I'm curious to see the fallout on this. I know it's 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 gonna get ugly, folks. <laughs> it's gonna get so ugly. Um, and I'll let you know as the the new season approaches because you know we're we're already quickly approaching you know the the final stretch for the year as August is well underway and we start making we're already making plans for October and making appearances as Ghostbusters and just. Um, the horror con, of course, Rocky Mountain con, which is right around the corner, and that's the the closeout for the season. So there's so much left to do, um, but there's really not a whole lot of time for it. So I'll let you know. I'm curious as all of this shakes down. Um, book. What else? I think the last big piece and my take. I know I've gone a long way to give you my take for today. And I know you're wondering, well, what is it? Come on, Smurf, tell me. Let me know. Lay it on me. Well, I've decided with Teen Titans Season 3 coming up in August 12th, which is just a couple days away, which I was just talking about everything landing on Friday. Um, Speaking of which, as a side note, Doom Patrol Season 3 is greenlit and ready to go. We have a trailer coming uh, shortly, I think, on that. And kind of excited. But... In light of Teen Titans finally, you know, getting season three out and, you know, was it happening? Was it not happening? I decided to revisit all of the previous seasons. Yeah, all both of them. So (laughs) my take on season one of the Titans is quite simply um, masterful. I at first had my doubts, as I always do. I made approach thing pessimistically because I don't want to be all in and be disappointed. And let's face it, DC's track record when it comes to movies, not so good. Animated, hmm, spot on. TV shows about 50-50, all right? Because um, Batwoman Blue, Flash has got its own problems as they, they dive into issues. Arrow, of course, is, is done. Legends, I can't take Legend seriously, but it's still entertaining to watch. So what was I expecting when I sat down to watch Titans? I wasn't sure. I was very questionable about it. But after watching it, I was like, okay. I was, I liked it. Then Season 2 came along. Again, it wasn't on the priority list, which is kind of a telling moment for me. Like, okay, if I liked it, why am I not so excited to watch it? Better things to watch, other things to do. Excellent question. I don't know. I just was kind of wishy-washy about watching it. When I finally did, I'll tell you about my take on season two next week. This week, season one, I I liked it. I liked it a lot more, and I'll tell you why. Because 
who they pulled together. I've always been a massive Dick Grayson fan. Um, the original Robin and how they came at the character, it felt like a, a Marv Wolfman Perez story as Robin transitions from Robin to Nightwing. As that character evolved and we see the progression in the comics and as Dick comes to certain truths and realizations about himself and who who he is going to become. Because we know he's not going to be Batman. He doesn't want to be Batman. And we know he can't be Robin anymore, which they played out perfectly when they introduced Jason Todd. And to see his character interact with Dick was was perfect. It was everything that I expected Jason Todd to be. In fact, I could almost see the pages of the comic book coming at me from back in the day with just how much of a dick Jason Todd was and how much I just despised that character. I felt the same loathing. And to say that about the actor, I mean, is is great. He embodied everything that I expected from the character and, and kicked it up a notch, and it made sense. And even the scenes that we see him on his own in some of the fighting scenes away from, from Dick are are as brutal and as, as malicious as you can imagine from an angsty teenager or a person just acting out with anger issues. Actually, I kind of chalked that up, too. The introduction of Hawk and Dove was... I had my doubts. I mean, I've never really been a big Hawk and Dove, Dove fan. I, I was like, eh. Could do without it. But it made sense. Of course, they can't have all of like the major major hitters out of DC. And I'm actually surprised at the ones that they've gotten the green light from to have on the show. I mean, Raven, of course, a lot of the Teen Titan characters have already been on like the cartoon or have had their own ongoing special, which makes sense. So you get Robin a couple of times, which is fine. Starfire, which actually the way they played that character left a lot of mystery and a lot of intrigue as far as how they were building the character. Raven, of course, was the driving line for the story and was absolutely orchestrated within an acceptable parameter. Especially when you you take her story and her past are, are so muddied and, and what do you do, what do you don't do, what do you touched on and, and how far into... You know, do you, do you go into the metaphysical side of it? Do you bring in the demons? And it's it's a very slippery slope. And how they approached it for season one was great. I I liked the play with with Raven. I liked how they developed her character, and it wasn't all angsty emo. You know, just antisocial. There was a reason behind. Her, her emotions. There's reason behind her acting the way she was and acting out and operating within what she thought was acceptable based on how her, her mother raised her, unaware of her past, her father, and all of that. And as that story unfolds, it's, it's, it's very well done. I liked it a lot more than I, I honestly had given it credit for the first time. So even just re-watching it has brought up a lot of like, okay, um, I did see what they did there, and I missed it. Um, I, there were some moments, I, especially with the dark camera angles and the, the shrinking screens and just the obscure kind of visual moments they depict on. But all in all, it's, it's, it's good. It's better than a movie. And in fact, the quality is right there on, 
a movie level. If you have HBO Max, I would say you need to watch this. It is worth the viewing. The whole season is it's it's heavy at times. The Hawk and Dove story, which is it's fine. It's it's passable, and there is actually some very tender moments. There are moments where the emotions kind of get swept up, and you feel kind of the drama. There are moments when I'm I'm I swear it it's like they took pages from the Daredevil show. Um, that Netflix did and threw in a little bit of the heavier emotion side, the the consequences of being a hero, what the cost of the price tag that it comes with. So to see that in a DC and they're not as br- they're OK, I can't I can't say that totally without laughing. They're not as brutal with their characters as they have been in the past, but that's not exactly true. Um, they, they're they're. They really hate their heroes. <laughs> but it makes sense. And how it plays out and how it looks is great. Uh, the introduction of Donna Troy was was not surprising. Uh, to be honest with you, though, in the first season, I was waiting for something more with Batgirl. Uh, at least the relationship between Dick and Barbara, which was you know very instrumental to Dick as a kid. And I think they transitioned that interest and kind of that love and um, angsty, you know, were, were sidekicks together to Donna. So when they were, you know, hanging out for Teen Titans, <laughs> when they were working together, it totally, it totally worked. But I think, I think it would have been nicer if we had a Batgirl moment versus a Donna Troy moment. We could still have her, but I think, I think without Batgirl, it kind of left, it left that a little bit open. Uh, and I, I and I'm fine with it, I guess. But it would have been just kind of a nice nod, nod or nudging towards Starfire was probably one of the best breakout characters for the first season, and just that whole arc and how they approached it, the special effects, the the alien side of it, all of it worked very, very well. And th- yeah. I'm re- I really liked how they personified her character and <laughs> everything else. Tawan says hi to all the listeners. Um, but the one that I really was impartial for, and I think he did a fine job, was Gar. I've never been a Beast Boy fan, and I never will be. I think the character is stupid, and they just can never make him into a proper character. That said... He was a proper character. He represented what I would think someone from the light that they painted and the picture that they gave you of this character and how he came about fit very well to the narrative, and it worked with the story. Is he my favorite? No. Um, Am I excited to see how they make this character evolve through the next couple of seasons? Yes. He has the most potential of all the characters, Uh, and, and still no love for him. Now, if you're watching Teen Titans, Titans, uh, in hopes of reliving some of the glory years of the Titans comic and, like I mentioned before, Wolfman and Perez, the elements are there. It's not exact. And the only reason I think that I have as much interest and enjoyment out of this is that I didn't embrace the comic as, as, as much as I have for other shows. I kind of shut off that part of my brain and just watched. I watched as a fan of comic books. I watched as a fan of the culture. I went into it going, okay, what, what do you got? Let me see it. And I liked it. And like I said, I think the one carrying the story, yes, 
Corey, but overall, it's absolutely Dick. And just to see him go from Robin and where where I know it's going, where I'm excited to see it go, especially for season two, which I'll give you my 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 take on season two next week, and then finally my take on season three. See, I got a plan. I pace it out for you, <laughs> and then I'll give you an overall take on it. But for right now, season one is worth the watch. Season one to me is a good starting point for these characters and how they impact the rest of the DC universe remains to be seen. I did like the interaction with Doom Patrol and I am happy with the choices and changes that they made from the appearance on Titans to their own series. And I'll get into that later. Maybe I'll even do my three takes on the Doom Patrol seasons. Um, Yeah, why not? That would be fun. Uh, anything else going on in the geekdom so far? And scanning through my notes, it does not look like it. Uh, everything else is business as usual. Um, any other rumors? Nope. That looks about it. So, if you missed, here's the recap. We'll be back on Thursday to enlighten you with Joe, uh, with, um, Joe Valen. I don't know. Sorry, I almost said another uh, local uh, artist who was announced for Colorado Festival of War. Sorry. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, Joe Valen will be on Thursday, and yeah, that about covers it. Any comments or questions, please put them in the lines below. Give us a like. Give us a share. Please subscribe to our channel on YouTube, uh, 5280Geek. We're just here to entertain you. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind.